And welcome, everyone, to the latest edition on this Sunday of BAMS Radio. I'm your co-host, Judy Armin, along with my two uh, great cohorts who always are with us on BAMS Radio. Of course, Thomas the Wizard Watts, who's producing for us in the city of Mobile, does a great job. We'll get some of his thoughts tonight. And, of course, former national champion uh, from 89 to 93, a member of the Alabama Crimson Tide, still very close to the program. William Redfish Barger is also with us. Alabama, 38 to 19, workmanlike win. Really, you know, 35 to 6, and Saban, uh, Coach Nick Saban, uh, did he, what, he goes by his usual MO. He put in a lot of backups and kind of, uh, you know, uh, cruised to the finish line. I don't think he was happy with the intensity, but especially this season with these COVID concerns, you have to play a lot of backups, get them ready. Uh, but there were some questions answered, and there's still some questions remaining, and it's going to be fun to discuss it uh, over the next uh, 45 minutes to an hour with everyone tonight. But, William, it's great to have you back. I thought it was a, uh, you know, a, a good, solid win on the road for Alabama. There's, some, there's some, a couple of areas of concern, but I thought for the most part, to me, the first units looked really good for nearly three quarters and dominated Missouri. No, I agree. I mean, uh... You know, we, we can, you know, nitpick what happened, you know, once, you know, Coach Saban went to the backups um, late in the third quarter. But, um, you know, I, I thought, you know, Mac Jones, you know, looks like he's very comfortable throwing a deep ball. Um, you know, it makes it real easy when you've got Jalen Waddle and uh, Deontay Smith and, um, you know, those wide receivers, Najee Harris. I mean, I, you know, I thought it was a very good, solid opening performance against a, you know, a decent SEC performance. I mean, those those Missouri defenders were hitting people. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought you saw some, some, you know, indications at least from Pete Golding that he's getting, uh, you know, more explosive players out there on de- on the defensive side of the football. I mean, Will Anderson made his presence known. Um, you know, uh, Dylan Moses, Christian Harris. I mean, I thought the DBs came up and, you know, attempted to do well and run support. I, you know, I think – look, let's look at it this way, uh, Drew. Do you feel better about Alabama's game one performance against a, you know – solid SEC opponent in Missouri this year versus hitting the rewind button to Labor Day weekend last year and what you saw versus Duke. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I'll say this, and you know, I've been critical of Pete Golding, and I said he was the pressure point, but, and there were still some people giving him heck last night for the two two late touchdowns, but that, that was really backups, man. I'll say this. The first unit didn't give up a touchdown. They gave up two field goals. And, William, I thought they looked a lot faster. I thought the communication was good. And, and quite frankly, one time Sean Robinson was sacked by LeBron Ray, but there was about four more Dobermans chasing him. And I, I really thought that this Alabama defense, uh, you know, as a whole, all three levels uh, passed the eye test as far as the first group. The only small concern I had was Daniel Wright, who – he was credited with 11 tackles to lead the team, but he did whiff several times. But again, you know, as, as you take a look back and you talk to other people, uh, a great friend of ours, Rodney Orr, made a great point to me this afternoon that Daniel Wright, that was the first start of his career, even though he's a redshirt junior. So, you know, hopefully he will improve in wrapping up. But again, I thought overall that the, the defense looked a lot faster. I thought the communication was good. You talked about Will Anderson making his presence felt. I think he's just going to get more and more comfortable. But I thought that first group defensively looked like how we were hoping they would look. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, it was great seeing a healthy DJ Dale out there. Um, It was a little confusing, at least for me, you know, on the front end, trying to figure out who number 18 was on Alabama's defensive line. Um, I didn't realize LeBron Ray, you know, changed numbers. And then, of course, you know, on the back end of the defense, it was kind of a revolving door with people coming in and out, and it was hard to keep up with. But, you know, I, I think when you look at it, um, game one, 2020, with all the stuff that's going on, 
versus, you know, that performance last year, Labor Day weekend versus Duke. Um, I, I thought the defense looked better. Um, you know, I, I thought the offense was very explosive. I mean, um, you know, I, I think it's time to start talking that, you know, maybe Mac Jones is one of the better, you know, quarterbacks in the country. And don't get me wrong, he's got an easy job with a great offensive line. I mean, I, I got a little nervous when, uh, you know, Evan Neal went out with that hamstring cramp. Um, but I, I think this Alabama offense, you know, there's there's Alabama fans out there, Drew, that are bitching and complaining, thinking that Trey Sanders is a bust and, you know, all kinds, of, you know, the normal crazy talk. And I'm like, look, it's, it's game one. And yeah. they didn't have a normal August training camp. Um, you know, let's give these guys, you know, a chance. Let, let, let's have this same conversation, um, you know, two or three weeks from now, you know, the middle of October. But, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with what I saw from the Alabama offense. I mean, um, I think we talked about this before we stopped having the podcast in the spring. I made the comment that, you know, any preseason uh, Heisman Trophy candidate list that doesn't have Jalen Waddle on it is invalid. <laughs> and you saw last you saw last night at six p.m. Um, why why I made that comment? Um, and, you know, I, I just thought it was you know I, I thought that Mac Jones did a good job distributing the football, making his you know deep shots when they were available. Um, I thought Bryce Young looked really good before the wholesale change from the first-team offensive line to the second-team offensive line took place. And, you know, that that's a very solid, in my opinion, SEC opponent that you saw last night. Um, you know, th- those guys were coming up and laying the wood on defense. I mean, I, I think they've got a, you know, a decent offense. It was a different, you know, opener for Alabama. Um yeah, I mean, did things kind of get away from Pete Golding and the Alabama defense, you know, with 10 minutes left to go in the fourth quarter? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but, you know, that's when you build depth and um, you start building your, your second 22 in the roster. But, you know, if you look at the way they took control of that game um, after the first or second series, I mean, you know, they, they were, you know, making explosive plays. Najee Harris had garage door holes to run through. Um, you know, Mac Jones could have thrown to Waddle, Mechie, Devonta Smith whenever he wanted to. Um, I just don't see why there is, you know, this this tag of negativity. Um, I thought the performance last year versus Duke was a hell of a lot worse. Well, I mean, I think in many ways – uh, I agree with you uh, offensively. Uh, I'm going to bring up your former teammate. I said this on a show late last night around midnight. This was the first time we've seen Jalen Waddle really featured in this offense. We've always known he was a freak. Uh, you know, I, I, I said two years ago, even though there, I felt like there was four first-rounders at wide receiver, that he was the most talented. And I still say that. I still say Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle are better players than Jerry Judy and, and Ruggs. And I don't say that as a disrespect to the other two. I think those two guys are, are great players in their own right. I just think Devontae is smooth. I think he's going to break every receiving record at Alabama. But I just think Jalen Waddle, and some people will say, you know, this is blasphemy, William, but you, you, you went to practice. You were in a locker room with this guy every day. Jalen Waddle reminds me of your old teammate, David Palmer, but with more speed. Well, and I don't think David um, would remind me, you know, or would uh, have a problem with me saying this about him. I mean, you're talking about two guys that are probably the same size. Right. Um, and both of them are, you know, Pac-Man characters, you know, excuse the, the age difference here, yeah. uh, you know, from the 80s. Um, you know, they're both guys, if you get them into a box, that they can go back and forth, back and forth, and, you know, go <laughs> forward and make a play. But, you know, yeah. you're talking about one guy when, when the pro scouts, uh, you know, put a laser time 40 uh, on them, 
one guy runs a four three, the other guy ran a four seven five, and I think that's the difference between the two of them. Yeah, and I and trust me, David's still pound for pound my favorite football player just because he could play quarterback, he could have played deep, he could have played any position. Uh, he could have played any position on the football field that wasn't on the line of scrimmage, no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, exactly. So, but Waddle is just special the way he can make guys miss and then still have the vertical speed. I mean, and the body control, that that uh, second touchdown pass, once Brian Robinson dropped the ball, you know, the perfect throw, Mac Jones comes right back and, and, and beats double coverage of Waddle with a perfect throw. Waddle with great body control catches it in the back of the end zone. That guy, eight catches, 134 yards, two TDs, really should have had a third touchdown and an obscure rule with the pylon was able to allow Najee Harris to end up with three touchdowns. But I get what I really like too. I love watching Steve Sarkeesian call a game, William. I think he does a really good job of scheming things up and getting the best players' touches. And and he, he spreads the ball out. He gets a lot of different guys. Like I want to say seven, eight different receivers caught the ball last night. But he makes sure that Jalen Waddell touches it a lot. He makes sure Najee Harris is featured with 20 touches or so. And then you get the ball to Devontae Smith. He had eight catches for 89 yards. So uh, I just I really like the way Steve Sarkeesian calls the offense. I mean, I, I actually like him better than Lane Kiffin. Sometimes I think Lane tries to get too cute. There's been times when Sark tried to throw it probably inside the five when they should have run the ball. But, again, I just really like Sark as an OC. And, and I really marvel at how much better Najee Harris has gotten now that he's gotten comfortable. Since the midpoint of last season, William, he has been a true beast. And he was – and you make a good point. I think that Missouri defense is better than Alabama made them look. But Najee Harris was tremendous last night, and so was that first-team offensive line. But I will say this. There's, there's something that you said in the preseason that reared its head last night, and it's really the only negative point of the, on the offense is that there's not much depth at offensive tackle right now. They need Evan Neal and Alex Leatherwood healthy. Well, I mean, Drew, there's it doesn't matter even even at a O line factory like Alabama, and I think we talked about this in, in one of the earlier shows that we did with Thomas. Um, that 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 that's a dynamic that's in play for every Power Five program in the country. Look, those cats that can do that at left tackle and right tackle are so so few and far between. Um, I experienced it for myself. I mean, I, I was a, you know, a, a decent SEC offensive guard. And, you know, I used to get over there and run my mouth at Matt Hammond for, you know, getting tooled out in practice. <laughs> and, and and Danny Perriman and, and, and Jimmy Fuller said, hey, guess what? If you think you can do a better job, we're going to stick you out there and you, you, can, you can see if you can slow Lemansky Hall and Antonio Langham down. I mean, uh, 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 Antonio London down. I was like, okay, no big deal. After three or four reps, I said, hey, guess what? Um, this is a different animal. Um, I, I've embarrassed myself, and uh, I want to go back to offensive guard, and I'm never going to say another word to Matt Hammond again. Um, so, you know, it, it's a different animal. Um, and, and, and but, but, you know, Drew, what I saw last night, I, I don't think any Alabama fan should, you know, draw a negative negative comparison from. I, I thought in the first two quarters when you saw, you know, best on best on both sides of the football, um, I, I thought, you know, it, you know, just like you, I'm no Pete Golding fan, but I thought the communication was better. I mean, you saw Christian Harris just making a man out of himself on that football field. I mean, he was – everywhere dylan moses was everywhere now he did get burned on a wheel route which he is prone to do but i thought i saw a lot of improvement in every aspect of that alabama football program i mean mac jones was in total control of that offense um i thought the the alabama defense the communication looked better People were playing fluid. I mean, they were running a lot of guys in and out of there on the defensive line and on the back end of the defense. And it just looked like a different product 
than than what you saw last year. Now they got to build on that. They got a better quality opponent, you know, coming in this weekend versus Texas A and M. But I saw improvement, and that's all I looked for. Um, but but I thought, you know, you know, like like when when Bryce Young first went in, you know, mm-hmm. he was throwing darts. He had plenty of protection, and then when they went with the the wholesale change of, you know, taking those those you know, starting offensive linemen out of the, the equation. and They put the second-team O-line in. You know, that's when you saw things start to go to hell in a handbasket. But that's how you have to build. You know, don't don't ding Nick Saban for doing that. that that's how you build depth. That's how you build that second-best 22 in your program. But when, when you're up 35-3, to three, who gives a shit what happens? Yeah, I mean, you have to get – yeah, you, you have to get these guys reps. I mean, especially because of COVID this year, you have to get Ken Randolph reps. I thought it was interesting he went in at right tackle because he had been at left some in scrimmages, but they flipped Neil to the left side. They put Chris Owens in at center. I thought Owens might be the one to go in at right tackle, uh, but he did Me not. Too. And I thought we might see Darian Dalcourt. We did not see Darian Dalcourt yet. So uh, he, he was able to get some of the second team O-line in. Uh, You know, he didn't play, but he did leave most of the first team receivers in with Bryce. And I thought Bryce, you know, I checked to a tongue of my lowest stats. The first game two ever played in was game two of 2017. He went like six of nine for 69, 64 yards in the touchdown. You know, Bryce, you know, had had a similar stat line, you know, no doubt about that. Uh, You know, I think he went five of eight uh, in the football game for about 54 yards. Uh, you know, and, and, and no, no touchdowns. But I thought he showed flashes. His first completion to Devontae Smith was an absolute dime. So he's only yep. going to get more comfortable and get better. So it was good to get him in the ball game. Trey Sanders looked tentative. But, again, for the most part, he was running behind the first, the, the second team O-line. And, again, I think he may have had a few nerves. He was coming back from missing last year with a foot injury. And let's not forget that Derrick Henry – and he's the, maybe the best running back in the NFL right now, former Heisman winner at Alabama. It took him most of his freshman year to get comfortable, same way with Najee Harris and same way with Damian Harris. So you can't judge a running back off one game. I mean, it really is comical to me that you see reactions like, well, okay, it's going to be really – Alabama fans can't be happy with Trey Sanders next year at running back. When all they talked about for – over a year was that he was going to be better than Brian Robinson and he might push Najee Harris for carries. So you can't have these hot takes. They just really, you don't sound very smart when you do it. Same, same deal with the defense, you know, the two late touchdowns. There was tons of backups in at that point. Elijah Drinkwitz knew the game was over. He just wanted his team, wanted his team to compete. And I'm going to tell you something, man, that Larry Roundtree, that running back for Missouri, he will play a long time in the NFL. He's going to have over 3,000 yards in his SEC career, and Alabama really stymied him, the first group. That's the one thing that I liked, William. I thought the run defense looked a lot better than it has the last couple of years in game one. Absolutely, man. I mean, I was watching them fill gaps, and, and you know, uh, even with Will Anderson out there, you know, there, there was some, it looked like there was some miscommunication when Drew Sanders was out there. But, um, you know, you look at the impact that Will Anderson had. Um, I mean, the guy was so quick twitch and so explosive. Maybe he didn't make the impact that I thought he was going to make as a pass rusher, but he blew plays up at the point of attack. I mean, it was great seeing a healthy D.J. Dale. Um, I, I, I just think that the product that I saw last night versus a year ago was way, way better. Um, I mean, you know, Mac Jones, I thought, did a great job, um, you know, distributing the football. You know, when you got Jalen Waddle on your side, you know, things are easier beyond that point. But, you know, there, there were some passes that were, you know, made that were perfect passes. You know, the defense made a play on the ball. You know, they did their job. But yeah. I just don't get the angst of Alabama fans that watched the same game that I watched last night that walked away with a negative taste in their mouth. There's nothing negative about what went on last night that, that should, you know, look, 
Texas A&M is coming in this Saturday. It's Jimbo Fisher. It's Kellen Mond. Um, I just don't see it being a problem. Well, and uh, that's, a, that's a great segue there because they struggled with Bandy. I mean, if you, if you can believe this, Vanderbilt was throwing for the win late in that game. And Texas A&M has hyped themselves up this year uh, to be in, they think, a team that could win the SEC West in, in Jimbo's third year. But Kellen Mond was only 17 to 28 for 189 yards. He did throw a touchdown. And they ran for 187. Isaiah Spiller had 117 on eight carries. Uh, but again, I, I think that's Vandy's defense, not Alabama's. So I do think, you know, Alabama, I, they, they, they certainly can't overlook A&M. And I, I thought this was going to be a difficult game. But with the opt-outs of Jamon Osmond, Anthony Hines at linebacker, Osmond, of course, wide receiver, I think that's changed some things. And again, you don't want to underestimate him going into the Alabama game. But I'll bring Thomas Watts into the, this conversation right now. But I still, I think, I think that matchup, Alabama and Texas A&M is taking on a different tone. I see Alabama as, I think right now they're a two-touchdown favorite, and I, I agree with that, Thomas. I think the thing about Texas A&M is they did get, you know, just lo- looking at their stats against Vanderbilt, they did get a lot of explosive run plays. You know, Isaiah Spiller, he had 117 on eight, like you said. They had a long of 57. So the the and then the next running back whose name I just simply don't know had ten carries for fifty one, but he had along a twenty five. There are a bunch of different ways to interpret that. Yeah, Anaya Smith. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Sorry, I, I I haven't looked at the AM roster to the level that I wanted to. I was really focused on more macro stats coming out of all the games, but you know, your point is well said with Alabama's defense. Like even with the let's just call it the slowdown the defensive slowdown about halfway through the third quarter into the fourth Alabama average gave up two yards per carry on 34 carries against Missouri and if they if they do that sort of thing where you make Kellen Mond beat you with his arm Kellen Mond's not going to beat Alabama with his arm he's just it's just not going to happen a&M doesn't have the outside horses. They don't have the quarterback. It's just not going to be something that's going to work. And, you know, one of the, the, a bunch of – I was one of the fans that was kind of on Pete Golding, and I'm on Pete Golding for that long drive in the third quarter. That one really sticks in my craw. And, frankly, Pete Golding as a coordinator has a long way to go for me to trust him in critical situations at the helm of the Alabama defense because it, feel, it felt like – Last year, due to a combination of injuries and ineptitude, every time Alabama played an offense with a pulse or a team that was even in the ballpark talent-wise, the defense was just, you know, standing there dancing as points were rung up against them. But anyway, I don't want to slash the defense too hard. The thing about it is that Alabama didn't have to drop people into the box to slow Missouri down. Yeah. You know, What people say, if you watch the LSU-Mississippi State game yesterday, LSU never went away from bump and run coverage. And because of no Stingley and and, uh, turnover at the cornerback position, you know, Kelvin Joseph's at Kentucky now. That was a highly rated guy. Elias Ricks is a true freshman, so he'll get better. But LSU never changed their pitch. As, As they're getting shredded playing bump and run, they never changed. And... That was one of the problems with LSU. That, that, that team's in trouble from where I'm standing. Miles Brennan's audition for Admiral Arm Punt, he's got the part as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, Alabama didn't have to do any sort of adjusting that way. And if Alabama can stop the run to the level that they did with Missouri while keeping two high safeties and keeping everything in front of them, that's a really hard defense to beat. So I'm very encouraged for what we saw from the Alabama defense and to the point that I'm willing to just lop off the last quarter and a half statistically as kind of a wash. I, it, it frustrates me, but Alabama's going to need depth. We've already seen multiple games canceled because of coronavirus. We've seen multiple players. We've seen multiple coaches have to miss games because of coronavirus. And we're only four weeks into the season. So 
that reality plus the fact that we don't have as many games to gear up for tough games down the down the stretch you know, you know we don't, there are no there are no cupcake games where everybody but plus the nacho guy can get in when Alabama's up 50 you're going I think you're going to see some statistical degradation because Nick Saban's going to want to get those guys in as soon as humanly possible because again you know you talked about Bryce Young well if Mac Jones gets coronavirus it's Bryce Young's team it's that easy and Bryce Young has not had a spring to get used to it yet so every single rep he can take with even pieces of the first team offense is enormously valuable Drew it really is and I think William's right he, he made a point of pointing out how well Mac Jones played last night. And Mac was super efficient. I mean, I thought he was outstanding. Uh, you know, he was 17 or 18, excuse me, of 24, 249 yards, two touchdowns. He didn't throw much in the second half, but he didn't have to. But he was he spread the football around. He was really accurate, really confident. And, William, I felt like all offseason – Everybody wants to see Bryce Young. I think he's a unique talent. I think he's an elite talent. But people have underestimated Mac Jones the entire time, in my opinion. Yes, they have. But I don't think you can discount, you know, based on what you saw last night, you know, live and in living color, um, just how talented Bryce Young is. And, you know, Drew, this is actually – the first Alabama football team that I have not seen at least live in a scrimmage in the spring or the fall, usually both, mm-hmm. probably since 1999. Oh, wow. So, you know, I, I, I walked into the season basically blind based on the normal stuff that I normally get to see. Um, mm-hmm. But – you know, I think, you know, Alabama fans should, should, you know, hit the rewind button. You know, if they've got questions about Mac Jones, you know, go back to take the two pick sixes out of the equation. I mean, I think one I can honestly place on, on Mac Jones versus yeah. Auburn. Um, I don't think the other one was his fault from based on the quarterback position. But, you know, take take that out of the equation and look at what he did versus Auburn. Uh, look at what he did versus Michigan. Um, you know, th- this guy's a pretty damn good quarterback. Um, yeah. And, and again, I'm not trying to take anything away from Bryce Young. I mean, I think that young man is probably um, could start for a lot of, you know, Power 5 programs this year. Um, you know, you saw what he did last night, you know, when he had the, the full complement of the first-team offense surrounding him especially that first-team offensive line. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the most satisfying moments to me was uh, watching Landon Dickerson pick up the uh, Missouri – I don't know if he was a linebacker or a DB – and, you know, pull a damn WWF move and powerbomb the guy on on the Missouri sideline. But that that, that resonates with me. That's, That's probably how I would have handled the situation. But I just think you can see, especially in the season opener against a quality SEC program, that, you know, all the stuff that we've heard all off season, uh, you know, look at the way that the, the, the dynamic is played out across the rest of the conference. You know, you know we, we've talked about with Thomas and on this show all summer long about how the LSU program got gutted. Um, you know, we, we've talked about that, you know, because of the quarterback, quarterback dynamic at Georgia, um, that fourth and Kirby was probably behind the eight ball. Um, I, I think you saw last night, you know, the fighting Pruitts probably took care of uh, – they're solidly now going to be the, the second or third best program in the uh, SEC East. Yeah. But just going back to, to, you know, the Alabama aspect of it, I really don't see why anybody can nitpick and um, have a problem with the way that this opener took place. I mean, you know, Coach Saban, you know, put the brakes on in the third quarter. He put Bryce Young in. He put Trey Sanders in. You know, same thing on the defensive side of the football. You know, that's not the same product that you're going to see in 
late November, early December versus what you saw last night. But I, I thought there was a a lot of explosive plays made, you know, at the hands of Mac Jones' arm uh, to Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, however else you want to dice. I, I, you know, great to see uh, John Mechie, um, you yeah. know, finally show what he can do as well. Uh, yeah. I just don't see a lot of negatives to take away from that season opener. I really don't. Yeah, and I think you'll appreciate this, William, because John Mechie had two catches for 42 yards uh, in the uh, first in the first ball in the first half. But the thing that he really did that I enjoyed, and I had heard this in the preseason, he really blocked well on the perimeter. He's the best blocker of that wide receiver group. He did a really nice job. I think we'll see Slade Bolden get more involved as the year goes on. We didn't see him really get targeted last night. Miller Forstall had a big catch. And they played a lot of tight ends. And it's obvious that Nick Saban was not lying about Carl Tucker. Carl Tucker started the game, and he didn't catch any passes. But as you saw, he was in there to block. And I think that's another reason why the running game was so good. I, I know you were impressed with the first-team O-line, but I think Carl Tucker is a big upgrade over – the guy that everybody knows I couldn't stand, Major Tennyson. I didn't see 88 last night, so I didn't have to puke. And uh, they had 86 in there. They had 87. And then they had Jaleel Billingsley and Cameron Latu. I'm sure Tennyson will get back on the field at some point. But I, I, I really felt, feel like Carl Tucker is a big upgrade over him. And I like the way they got the other tight ends involved also. Well, I hope Carl Tucker is a big upgrade because Miller Forrestal got his ass whipped from the first damn play to the last play that he was on the field where he was asked to block at the point of attack. It was an embarrassment. No different than anything else we've seen from him. Um, that, that was one of the biggest negatives that I saw. But, yeah, yeah I mean, when, when you get this Mac Jones-led offense – you know, in a, um, you know, four or five wide receiver set where he's got Najee Harris lined up behind him. They can do pretty much whatever they want to if they execute. Um, you know, I, I just saw, you know, evidence of it over and over again last night. And, you know, at, at what point in time we, you know, turn this conversation into – you know, what they did versus Missouri last night versus what they're going to do versus Texas A&M this coming Saturday, you know, that's when this podcast is going to start exciting me. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I I can't wait to see this group grow. I mean, I, I thought it was a really good first chapter. I, I tend to agree with you. I think Mizzou is – I don't know if they're going to be a great football team, but I think they're going to be a, a team that gets better. I think they have some talent. Uh, I think, you know, Alabama just kind of made them look bad at times because of some of the first-round picks that the Tide has. You know, I think Najee Harris is going to keep climbing up the draft boards because of what he can do as a runner-receiver. Now what he can do as a blocker because that's what everybody has to understand with these five-star running backs. A lot of them didn't have to, you know, block, you know, catch. They just ran the football in high school. They have to get better without the ball, and I think Najee has finally done that. Uh, you know, these last two years, he's really improved and made himself a good, all really good all-around player. Uh, you know, Brian Robinson, I feel bad for him in a way, uh, William. I've even harkened back to a name, a blast from the past, Brian Steger, who used to look good in scrimmages, but he would never make plays in a game. But Brian had a couple of good runs last night, but he had the big drop at the goal line. I almost think that he he tries too hard and tries to make a big play every time he touches the ball because he doesn't get as many touches, of course, as a Najee Harris. Uh, I felt like that, that the same thing last year. I think he just needs to let it go and, and just relax and let his talent take over because I've seen him make play after play in scrimmages, but it just hasn't happened for him in a game, and I hope it does at some point because I think the guy's talented. No, absolutely, I think he is. Um, you know, the only thing I think you can ding him for last night was, you know, dropping that strike that Mac Jones put in his lap. Um, yeah. Other than that, I mean, I, I thought he was a very good compliment at running back to Najee Harris. And, uh, he, you know, 
here's where we were at this time last year after the first game with Duke. Um, you know, the Alabama fan base was bitching and complaining about um, how bad the offensive line looked, how bad the running game looked. Um, you know, let, let's let's compare the game last night versus Missouri to game one last year versus Duke, and I think it's night and day. Yeah, I, I do. I think it's better, no doubt about it. And I'm going to bring Thomas Watts back into the conversation. Thomas, I know we talked about Texas A&M a little bit, and I'm going to come back to William and get his thoughts on the Aggies and his pick for the game in a few minutes. But I wanted to give, get your thoughts overall on what you saw offensively and defensively out of Alabama in this first game. Well, okay. So I think one of the things that, you know, to William's point about fans being bent out of shape, I think there's a lack of context around Alabama. Now let's look across the SEC. You know, think about the, the preseason top, the, the top three teams in each division. Florida has major secondary concerns. And outside of Alabama, Florida's win was easily the most impressive win of the top three. Tennessee struggled against South Carolina, and South Carolina, I mean, Will Muschamp's a great defensive coordinator. He'll never be a good head coach. You know, so some, people are built right. to be, some people are built to be DCs, and some people are built to be head coaches, and some people can do both. Well, Muschamp can only do one of those things. But anyway, you know, Tennessee we had a struggle. Um, LSU straight up lost. Georgia was giving Arkansas like was Arkansas gave them a game. And, you know, was Barack Obama in office the last time that Arkansas won an SEC game? Because that's what it feels like. That is exactly what it feels like to me. So with all of this stuff going on around Alabama, Alabama goes out. Nick Saban has enough stuff to chew on to fix, but they did play, particularly for two and a half quarters, a very dominant game. And, you know, a couple of – and I, I don't want to keep going over it, but one of the things that I thought was really cool, and I'll kind of jump back and take up for Pete Golding here, is Alabama did a lot of two-gap stuff. Like, one of the things you notice is the Alabama defensive line did not get as much pressure on its own, but that's because they were two-gapping – and what did that translate to? That translated to Dylan Moses and Christian Harris being all over the place. Or Will Anderson going one-on-one -on -one against a tackle. And for one game, I know it's a very small sample size, I'll take Will Anderson against most tackles in the SEC. I think that's a matchup that Will Anderson will win a few of them. So for me, I saw an offense that could have named its score when the ones were in. I saw an offensive line that was consistently resetting the line of scrimmage at least a yard, potentially two or three down the field. I burst out laughing on one of the uh, one of the touchdown drives where Alabama had first and goal from the five, and the offensive line still managed with such a compressed field to reset the line of scrimmage a yard towards the uh, Missouri end zone. So I think the offense is already there. It's already in sync. The defense, when you have all those pieces and parts, is flying around and is going to cause headaches. Uh, again, I'm not worried about Texas A&M anymore because I, I don't think Jimbo Fisher's schematically evolved very much. They, pro again, they probably should have beaten Vanderbilt more, by more than they did because they had some turnover issues and some weirdness. But I'm sorry, Texas A&M, if we throw the clock back a month, Texas A&M was a dark horse national title candidate team. Like, I thought they were there. I'll say it with a straight face. And uh, does anybody, do either of you think that if Vanderbilt plays the clear top two, at least, in Clemson and Alabama, that Vanderbilt is throwing for the, throwing for the win as time expires in the fourth quarter? I certainly don't. Oh, nope. good Lord. If they, were, if they were throwing for the win against Alabama, it would be a nuclear meltdown. I can tell you that, uh, but I mean that's not that wouldn't happen. And I'm going to go back to you, William. I, I, uh, Texas A&M was probably the most the least impressive winner of the day. You, again, I, I don't want to minimize uh, you know uh, in, in the uh, their football team too much because Alabama definitely needs to prepare well and, and be ready to play these guys. But they haven't lost to them since the days of Manziel in 2012. Uh, and after what we saw Saturday, unless they have marked improvement 
And sometimes you can have that from one game to the next. But without a lot of help from Alabama, I don't see the Aggies coming close in Tuscaloosa. No, I don't either. And, and you know, I'll give you two reasons why I don't. <clears throat> um, I, I think that Jimbo Fisher, and, and God knows, I mean, I give him credit. He, he works in an industry where you get rewarded for short-term success. I mean, he got $75 million. <laughs> Um, after running the Florida State program into the ground to go out to College Station with Texas A&M. But unless there's another, you know, play caller head coach across from Nick Saban and the Alabama football team um, Saturday and another quarterback not named inaccurate Kellen Mond, I'm just not going to worry that much about this game. It's not going to be close. Well, and William, uh, I, I tend to agree. I, I haven't made my pick yet. I've been kind of mulling it over in my head as to what I was going to pick. You know, I'm, I'm leaning. I think I, I think I, I've, I've got a score in mind, but I, I agree with you. I think Alabama, if they stay a 14-point favorite or so, 14, 17-point favorite, I know I picked them to cover yesterday, and they did not, uh, 45 to 10. It was 38 uh, to 19, but I'm going to pick them to cover that number. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I, I just think Alabama's got too many offensive weapons. I do think A&M's pretty good on defense, but just like Missouri, but I, I think it's going to be tough to deal with Alabama's offensive line and with Mac Jones and these receivers. So I think Alabama, I, and I certainly think A&M will come in laser focus. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt, they may have taken them for granted a little bit, but I think even if Al- they give Alabama their best shot, it's going to take, uh, you know, a, Alabama not playing uh, extremely well uh, to even give A&M a chance. So, because I thought Alabama overall, uh, I thought Will Riker, you know, he kicked his field goal. We saw Chase Allen, the true freshman from Texas, uh, take over kicking off. We thought that would be Bullivis, but he didn't make the trip. We, I was right about the punter, Sam Johnson, and he was solid, three punts for 39 yards. But again, we're hoping that Alabama won't have to punt that much. Uh, this season. So even against that A&M defense, I think Alabama can move the football. They've moved it uh, on them the last couple of years. A&M has not really been able to slow, you know, Alabama down. So, and Mond has played well against the tide, but again, he's going to have to have the game of his career. And I, you know, I think Alabama's defense is better. I think they can heat him up, pressure him. Uh, that, that wide receiver group is unproven for A&M right now. It, it just, it's going to come down to Alabama slowing down Isaiah Spiller, and if they do so, that running attack, then I think Alabama can make some hay, no question about it, uh, with uh, the A&M Aggies, no doubt. But, Thomas, I'm going to bring you in first. Uh, you, you've given us your thoughts on A&M. Uh, what is your, what's your feel for a score for this game coming up Saturday in the home opener on 230 at CBS for Alabama against the Aggies? Well, let me give you a couple of quick stats before I give you my uh, prediction, Drew. <clears throat> Alabama was 9 of 14 on third down mm-hmm. last night against Missouri. You will win a lot of football games if you keep doing stuff like that. Uh, that is yes. that that is almost that is that is so good it is almost a statistical anomaly. It's almost unsustainable. Now, that's not to say that it can't happen. I'm just saying that if Alabama does that every every game, they'll win every game by two or three scores. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Uh, the other statistic going to the defensive side that jumped out to me, uh, Alabama had last night, they had, oh, it's, it's eight tackles for loss, which is one more than Alabama had in any one game last year in 2019. So Alabama was able to generate pressure. Now I will say, Again, I'll praise Pete Golding, even though I've been highly cruel to him on this show, deservedly so. The uh, Alabama defense was very aggressive. Pete Golding felt comfortable comfortable to blitz, and we saw it. If Alabama is able to do that sort of thing again, and we'll be able to figure it out pretty quick. Again, watch for Alabama's safeties. If Alabama can stop the run and those two safeties are standing 20 yards off the line of scrimmage, Alabama's going to blow A&M off the field, period, end of story. But I think this game will be 
I think we'll see more of Alabama's ones for sure, Drew. I've got Alabama 41-17. I think this is – I think Alabama's going to really put a stamp on this one. And, you know, onward we go. I think we'll have another debate. I think I think past will be prologue for BAMS Radio next weekend because we'll feel real good about three quarters and then the backups will come in and there will be some kind of – some boneheaded things. But we'll chalk it up to learning and we'll move on. And, William, uh, what, what's your thoughts? I know you like Alabama big in this game. What's What's your score? Well, I mean, I, I like them big from a statistical standpoint, but I, I'm going to go with the final score being 38-14. to 14. I'm, I'm almost right there with you. I'm going 38-17, I think, uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to uh, piggyback off Thomas. I think maybe one of those touchdowns are going to be against the subs when the game's over, but uh, I'm, you know, I think Alabama can shut down A&M, can shut down the run, can make a statement. I think Alabama's going to win this game, and they're going to win it comfortably. I like the matchup. Uh, you know, I like Alabama's defense against A&M's offense, and then vice versa. I like Alabama's offense against just about anybody right now. I, I, I mean, I'll have to see that both their teams play. And, I mean, I know they've already shredded, like, the Citadel, but I don't give a damn if it's Clemson or Ohio State. I think Alabama offensively is going to be elite. I, I mean, I'll put Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith against any two receivers in the country. I don't really care. You know, and and I, even and that's even if Jamar Chase is at LSU right now. I like Jamar's a great player. You know, he's sitting out, but I, I could him and Terrace Marshall. I, I would still take Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. Everybody's fixing to find out the greatness of Jalen Waddle. This is just one chapter of it, and I think I I'll just go ahead and say it. He's more talented than Jamar Chase. Okay, everybody's fixing to see it, and and I know what Chase did last year. That's fine. But Jalen Waddle is more explosive, and I'm just I'm really anxious to see him continue to build on this overall. Uh, but I think Alabama is going to roll A&M in Tuscaloosa, uh, no doubt about it. And I'm anxious to see some of these other SEC teams continue their journeys. And, and William, I'm going to be anxious to see this Georgia-Auburn game. I think that's a fascinating one to see. Georgia, you know, I, their quarterback play has been questionable still. They may have Stetson Bennett. Uh, or maybe JT Daniels behind center. And Auburn wasn't great, but they were good enough to be a solid Kentucky team. I'm anxious to see that game on Saturday. Yeah, this is normally a matchup that we see, you know, the Saturday before Thanksgiving, you know, yeah. being played in, you know, the second SEC game of the year. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um I would say, based on what I saw from those two teams yesterday, um, you know, I would give the advantage to Auburn. Um, Not by much, but I think they've got a more explosive offense. Um, Mm -hmm. They they lost – I mean, you know, when you you subtract uh, Derek Brown and, and, and Marlon Davidson off of that defensive line, you know what we're talking about here. Um, they're they're not what they were last year, but I just think that you know Auburn might be a seven to ten point better football program than what Georgia is right now. That's an interesting take there, and I think Auburn does have a shot in the game. Thomas, as we're wrapping up, Bams Radio, what are your thoughts on Auburn, Georgia? Honestly, I think Auburn has big problems on defense. One of the stats, I'm frantically trying to look it up, but Kentucky just converted third downs at a crazy clip against Auburn, particularly in the first half. I mean, that was one of those games where the stats kind of – I feel like the stats tell one story and the score tells another. You know, Mm -hmm. Kentucky was 12 of 19 on third down. Now, Georgia has big problems offensively. I mean, I think that – Frankly, I think Paul Tyson might be starting for Georgia at this point if he was there. I think it's that that. No, he would. <laughs> well, he's terrible. <laughs> well, let me flame Georgia then, okay, William? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> but you know, again, you look at the statistics. Kentucky had 60 more yards than Auburn. They converted 12 of 19 third downs. They ran 21 more plays than Auburn. I think Auburn has big problems on defense, and the way they beat Kentucky is covering a lot of that up. I have Georgia because, you know, 
Auburn's offense will be solid, but Georgia's defense is still elite. And I, I think elite defense will still do enough to slow Auburn down, and Georgia will cobble together something to get a big win this next this upcoming week. And, Drew, just to circle back briefly to Texas A&M, this will be the first game where the middle linebacker opt-out, whose name again escapes me for Texas A&M. Anthony Hines. Thank you. Yeah. This will be the first game where that opt-out is really going to show itself because, you know, middle linebacker against Alabama, you have to play disciplined. And any sort of anti-discipline or discipline hit against this offense is trouble. So I think there's a bunch of trouble coming for Texas A&M and for Auburn this upcoming weekend. Well, it's going to be interesting to see. That's for sure. I think I am going to take Georgia in the game. I think they're going to probably play JT Daniels, but I think it'll be close. But I think I like uh, Georgia by a touchdown in the game. But, you know, if William's right, if uh, if uh, Auburn can get better defensively and he thinks they can continue to plug those holes along the D-line and then their offense can make enough plays against that Georgia D, that would be a huge win for Gus Malzahn. But I, I, I'm going to go with Georgia in a close game, probably somewhere along the lines of uh, maybe 27 to 20, but I'm going to go with the dogs. But it's been another great edition of uh, BAMS Radio, no doubt about it. We all three like Alabama big over the Texas A&M Aggies in game two, the home opener of this 10-game SEC gauntlet. Uh, it'll be 2.30 on CBS Sports Alabama and first game in, in uh, the uh, Brian Denny Stadium, only about 20% capacity, but Still going to be an interesting ball game, no doubt about it. Texas A&M coming in will be a top-10 team, but I think will be a double-digit underdog, as we all agree. I think right now about a two-touchdown dog. So we like Alabama big. It was a solid first win over a Missouri team that we believe is going to be better probably uh, than, the pe- than some people think. They're more talented than I think Alabama made them look. But it was still an outstanding first effort for the most part for Alabama. I'll give Alabama a B-plus overall. Really, the starters, I'll give an A, but you got to play those backups. But for William Redfish Barger and for Thomas the Wizard Watts, we hope everybody has a great evening, and we'll come to you next Sunday with our thoughts on Alabama, Texas A&M, following that home opener in the SEC as they try to go to 2-0, and ranked number two in America behind Clemson. Good night and roll tide.